This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. All right, we, in January, we have been focusing on the subject of prayer, and we prepared uh, these prayer calendars for you. If you weren't able to get one already, there's just a week left in the 31 days of prayer. Uh, But as we mentioned at the beginning, you know, all of these things, they don't have to be limited to January praying. As we referenced the first week, it's actually a good idea to pray every week and every month and every day. And that was kind of the goal starting out uh, in January, that we would set our lives with creating a habit of prayer. And as I'm sure you have noticed, you know, the topics that we put on um, on this calendar, I'm sure that each person maybe has a specific, you know, some of them are specific and the prime minister and the premier and different things like that. But some of them, they can uh, come to mind the people that you know in your life. And so that we can be praying specifically for people. And as we mentioned, we've got scriptures on there that will help you to pray according to God's word. And that's what we want to think about. And as we've been talking about, that effective prayer starts in knowing the mind and will of God, knowing what the word of God says, and then praying and asking God for the things that he has provided for us, the things that he wants us to have, the things that he wants us to ask for. His kingdom come, that his will would be done, not just what we want. Not what we would desire, but according to God's will, that's how we should be praying. So I think we have a few more of these cards left. If you weren't able to get one, uh, it's great to have it for months going forward. But also every month we, I mean, every day this month we are putting it on Instagram and on Facebook. So if you've lost your card, you can uh, see it on social media. So let's turn our Bibles once again to 1 John chapter 5 and looking, uh, looking at our verse for the series. A couple of verses here that we've read every week. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. And it says this, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So effective praying starts with the will of God, starts in the mind and will of God, not just a desire of my own. But that God hears us when we pray according to his will, not just our will. So a lot of what we've talked about in this series, um, we've talked about aligning ourselves to God's word. In the first week, we talked about being thankful and how important that is. And then the second week, we talked about fasting. Uh, And then last week, we talked about an attitude that we should bring to prayer. These two different attitudes, confidence and awe. So if you missed any of those messages, you can go back and listen to them on our website or on our podcast and catch up with us. Um, so, but we've tried to emphasize aligning ourselves, aligning ourselves to God's will and then praying and asking for those things. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the things that we've been praying for, uh, within the month of January has been for others. Now you will find yourselves in some of these categories that we've been praying for, but a lot of time we're just praying for other people. And a lot of times it's just easy just to pray for ourselves, but we've gone out of our way with this series and with this emphasis to be thinking about and praying for other people. And we're going to be focusing on that today a little bit. And these two verses that we've read each week, if we continue on reading, um, it's a very interesting couple of verses. 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. Now right after what we just read, verse 16 continues and it says this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin... 
not leading to death. He shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. So after hearing about praying according to God's will, and we pray according to God's will, he hears us. The immediate thing mentioned after that is about seeing someone, a brother or someone that you know, a, a fellow Christian who is committing a sin, but it's a committing a sin that's not unto death. Now that not unto death could mean two different things. Uh, a, a sin that doesn't lead to immediate death or sin that would lead to an ultimate separation from God. And that one we wouldn't know or see because God is the, the ultimate judge of the world. And so if we would see somebody sin, that we would actually be praying for that person. You know, as I've told you many times, I've, I've grown up in church and I've done a, a lifelong study of church. And at, at the first part of my life, I was forced to be there by my parents. And then uh, the second part of my life, of my own free will, I have decided to partake and be a part of church. And I've done this lifelong study of church uh, as I attend, as I've been a part of it, and as I work at church. And I've discovered... After many years of research, the problem with church, would you like to know what it is? It's people. People are the biggest problem at church. That, you know, we, and, and, it's, and the, most of the people at church are Christians. And I, I got to tell you, some of the, the nicest, most wonderful, gracious, loving people that I have met in my life have been believers, the people that follow Jesus and they have such a lovely, uh, nice, forgiving, gracious spirit. But on the flip side of that, the meanest, nastiest, most unforgiving, judgmental people that I've ever met in my life have not been atheists. They have been other people that name the name of Jesus. That the problem at church is people. Can I get an event from anybody? I'm like, well, I'm not sure if I want to agree. It's true anyway. That the best part about church, about being a part of a community of believers, is the other believers that are there. We get to experience life together and, and be there for one another and, and grow together. And then the most difficult part at church sometimes is just uh, other people who we're living life with and doing life with and serving alongside I mean, it's the same thing with family. The best part of family is the people that I know and my wife is there and my kids that I get to experience every day. But the hardest, most difficult part of family life is people. And, but I'm also part of that equation. I'm also part of the difficulty as it relates to church. The humanity, my humanity, your humanity. The difficult part in our families is that I am part of the equation my humanity within the context of other humans. And, and, and the problem with all of the other humans, except you and me, of course, is they just don't think like us. If we could just get all of the other humans, male and female, never a female, but maybe some men, <laughs> so if, I, if I could just get someone else to think exactly like me, we'd just have no problems. There would be a free flow of communication. And, and when you said something and you said, do you know what I mean? And they would be like, I know exactly what you mean. I understand you completely. 
But the breakdown comes in is that everybody doesn't think exactly like me and everybody doesn't think exactly like you. And also, everybody doesn't act exactly like you think they should. And we see sometimes people act a certain way and do certain things. And specifically mentioned here in these verses is the brother that we would see someone else who follows Jesus, that they would commit a sin that's not unto death. And then what would we do? He shall ask and God will give him life. That our first response when we see somebody acting in a certain way that we know that's not in line with the the ways and will of God, that we know is missing the target, that's what sin means with their life. They're not making the right choices. They're hurting others or they're hurting themselves. What should we do? After we see something and witness something, what should we do? Should we pick up our phone and, and text somebody? And you're like, I saw so-and-so and you wouldn't believe what I just saw them do. And you wouldn't believe this post I saw and they were there and they shouldn't be there. Should that be our first response or should our first be, response be this? If we see his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. In other words, God will, give that, God will give that person something else to do other than the thing, the sin, the missing the mark, the doing the wrong thing, that God will lead that person away from the sin that they're committing. That we would actually pray for someone that's struggling or going through a hard time or making the wrong choice. But you know what? It's just so much easier to be mad at them, isn't it? Maybe it's so much more fun. Maybe it's just so much more fun to talk to somebody else about all of someone else's shortcomings. But instead, I think the scripture is telling us that we should pray. That we should ask God. That we should ask God to have influence on the heart of that person. So that God could steer them away from the sin that they're committing. That the the destruction they're finding themselves in. The difficulty they're finding themselves in either either by someone else's choice or just the world that we live in or even their own choice that we would ask God to give that person life and this is what we should want and this is what we should desire and this is part of the thing that we're doing as we're praying for other people throughout the month of January is just to have this heart and mind of God that God doesn't want us to be Um, deciding or being the ultimate judge of somebody and then, you know, involving someone else in what someone else is doing wrong that we can actually pray for somebody within the community of faith, within the church, whether our church or someone else's church or, or whatever the case may be that we would see somebody that we would actually pray for them. Now, in the Old Testament, um, Israel is the church in the wilderness or, or just a church in the Old Testament. And Isaiah, the prophet, talks a little bit about um, Israel and them welcoming different people into so proselytes or people that were com- converting to Judaism. And he mentions something a little bit about uh, different people coming into their group, into, into following God. And let's read about it here in Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah chapter 56. Now I've got verse 6 up there, but we're actually starting in verse 3. It says this, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. So in other words, someone who is not an ethnic Jew, someone who wasn't born Jewish, is now a foreigner coming in to follow God, to follow Jehovah, being a part of temple worship, that they're a foreigner. 
they don't know all the customs, they don't know all the rules, they don't know all the stuff. Have you ever been a foreigner somewhere? Um, I know my wife and I, about 15, 16 years ago now, we traveled to Italy uh, to preach, you know, at this for this while at a church, and then we went to another church to visit. And so we started out in the south of Italy. And so we got there, and, and they, they taught us some of the customs within their specific city, within this specific community in Italy, and some of the language. And one of the things that was happening uh, to us in this city was the double-cheek kiss. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That you greet somebody, you know, the, hey, the double kiss on, the, on both sides of the cheek, right? And so, you know, for a week, everybody that we met um, in this city in Italy, we did the double cheek kiss. And, you know, guys too. It's not something I'm used to. And, you know, rough beards. And I can understand, ladies, why you don't like beards. Um, so... <laughs> So we did, you know, and we just figured this was the Italian way. So we started out in the south of Italy, and then we actually flew to the northern part of Italy. So we got off the plane there, and the people that were meeting us, I just assumed that the customs in the south were the same as the customs in the north, and specifically to, you know, communities and cities and different things like that. So I did that, both the guy sort of looked at me. And he said to his friend in Italian, which I found out later, oh, he started out in the South, I understand. (laughs) And so I was a foreigner, I was a stranger in a strange land, and I didn't know all of the customs. And and this is what uh, Isaiah is mentioning to people who are proselytes, that they could feel like a foreigner, and they would say, well, maybe God is separating me from his people. Verse 4, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep the Sabbath, who choose the things... That please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house within my walls a monument and name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mount, and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, or all nations, or all ethnicities. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those who are already gathered. So within this, this idea in the Old Testament that relates a lot to us here in the New Testament, that, it, it sh- that God's house is a house of prayer for all nations, for all people groups, for all ethnicities, that we're all going to come under the banner, not so much of my background and my ethnicity or my language, but I'm actually coming under the banner of God. I'm coming under the banner of Jesus. And God has invited us all under Jesus, not my background, not my ethnicity, to follow after him and to be part of this house of prayer. But you could see, and and we know and we experience in real time, the difficulties of gathering with a group of people who don't have the same background, who didn't grow up in my house with my background. But God is calling us all to be, as a community of faith, this great example of something that's in the heart and mind of God, and which will be true in eternity, 
that God is calling people from every kindred, tribe, and nation. That the ultimate new heavens and new earth will not be under um, some national background. It won't be Canadian, or it won't be American, or it won't be North American, or whatever country your ancestors. We won't be gathering in the name of that nation. We'll be gathering under the name of God. And God is calling us all together in Jesus... And he's calling us specifically saying something about a house of prayer. That we're coming to God as we've discussed all month. That we're coming to God in Jesus' name. We're not coming in my ethnic background and my language background. That we are coming ultimately in the name of Jesus. But it says something about the type of community that God wants us to create in something that bears his name. Which would be a church or a local church. That we would put these things in practice. That we would be praying that his house would be a house of prayer. As referenced in those verses. That you see your, your brother committing a sin. What should the thing... What should we do? What should be our first reaction to somebody that's making a mistake? Somebody that's messing up. Somebody that's missing the target. Who names the name of God? Who is a fellow brother and sister? What should be our first response? See, in their thought as the foreigners, oh, God, God is going to cast me out. But Isaiah is saying everybody's invited in. So here in this great experiment called the church of gathering people from all nations. And, you know, last January when we did that sort of informal survey of how many different nations we had represented in our church, we had 51 And so we are a great representation of these verses that in one sense we are all foreigners. We are all foreigners to the kingdom of God and we all have equal access to God through Jesus. And he's calling us into his kingdom. And what is his house going to be called? His house is going to be called a house of prayer. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this in verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy, but you are, we are a chosen race. And what race is that? What background is that? It, it's God's, it's the human, it's the people that God has called out to, the, the people that God has provided salvation for, which is people from every background in every country. And we get to be part of this. And so our first thing, the first thing that we should think about and the first thing we should mention is not necessarily our ethnic background, is that we are found in Christ. That we are a chosen race. What is is that race? The people that follow Jesus. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called all of us outside of all of the different countries and backgrounds that we've come into. That something about this this group of people from all these different backgrounds is actually proclaiming something because we're coming together. 
And what are we coming together with? Our race and our background and our language? No, we're coming together under the banner of God. And there's actually something that we're proclaiming because we can come together in Jesus' name that we can actually show the world that we can actually show what's in the mind and heart of God in the ultimate future, in the new heavens and the new earth. That all of us coming together from our different backgrounds, living in peace together under the banner of God, under the banner of Jesus. Because as advanced as we are in 2016, as, as educated as we are in 2016, if you look around the world, there are still wars and battles and disagreements fought about all of these things that we have mentioned. Separations. I'm better than you and you're better than me and my country's better than your country and my background's better than, than your background. And if we would just look in the Word of God, the Word of God has all of these things solved for us. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says this, For as many of you, as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And all of these things were superior, inferior, superior, inferior, superior, inferior. I'm better than, I'm worse than. But he's saying in Christ, we are all one in Christ. It's a brand new race. It's a chosen race. And then God is calling us to live a certain way within the context of that group. Within the context of people from every nation and every background. And we all kind of feel like a foreigner sometimes. You know, I got to do uh, four weddings last year. And every wedding had a different ethnic background than my own. And it was such a great thing to see and experience and all of the traditions and all of the, the different clothing worn and all of this. And it's such a wonderful thing to experience different backgrounds and appreciate different backgrounds. And this is what God is wanting us to do. None of it's superior or inferior based on race, creed, or color, or nation. But that in Christ... And this is what he's calling us to. We are one. In Christ, we are one. That we would stand and we would live, ultimately, our highest purpose would be in Christ. Our, that would be our number one thing. Now, I have uh, political views and values that I don't share on Sunday morning. But our political views and values cannot be the highest thing in our life. Because if we're going to stand on the left politically, we're just going to hate all the people on the right. And if we're going to stand on the right politically, we're going to just hate all the people on the left. And that's ultimately not what God is calling us to do. He is wanting us to live in Christ. And we can't, with all of our thinking and all of our modern thinking and all of our great education, to somehow think that we're better than or we're worse than. That God is calling us to live a certain way in Christ. With a certain mentality and with a certain approach to life. Which is and will be the ultimate purpose in the new heavens, in the new earth. And so we get to live it out now. We get to, as a multi-ethnic background, a group of people, we get to live out the kingdom of God. 
centered on this idea that we have a connection with God, that we have a covenant with God through Christ. So let's just continue on and looking at some more verses here about praying for others. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. That was some deep philosophical stuff right there. You can talk about that at lunch. Here we go. James chapter 5, verse 13. James is writing to the church and he says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So here, written to the church, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. There's a lot of prayer here in these verses. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise, which is a type of prayer. Is any among you sick? Let everybody else wonder what secret sin they're committing as to cause this sickness and disease. No, it doesn't say that. See, and this is what we get into a lot of times in church with my lifelong experiment. That people look at other people going through stuff, whether it's sickness, whether it's debt issues, or whether it's marriage or marriage problems. And they kind of just think, well, what's wrong with those people? What are they doing wrong? And they might actually be doing some stuff wrong, just like you. But is there value in us just wondering about what everybody's doing? And sort of keeping tabs on what everybody's doing and how they're doing it and how they're not doing it. Like, I don't know if you, um, on, on social media, I follow, follow a couple, you know, famous Christian people as famous Christian people. People know who they are. And if some, sometimes, like, whether on an Instagram post or a Facebook post, they'll post something. And, you know, half of the, the comments afterwards is like, awesome, have a great time. And then the other half are, I'm not sure, this might be sin. And then they accuse them of something and blah, 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 all these different things. And is this really our goal? Should this be our goal to be deciding to be making the ultimate judgment on what other people should or shouldn't be doing? Should I be just keeping tabs on everybody and just deciding things? Or should I be doing here what the Word of God says? Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Now listen, let's keep reading. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What if we see somebody committing a sin like the verses we've already read in 1 John? What should we be doing? We should know that the Lord forgives sin. Are we out there? Does the Lord forgive your sin? Come on now. You know better than that. Does the Lord forgive your sin? Does he also then forgive their sin? Or is like, no, not their sin. That sin is worse than my, my just little sin. 
My sin is not that bad. My, you know, my sin doesn't stink that bad. But everybody else's sin is really the problem. No, but the scripture is telling us here, if we see, if if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven. This should be our expectation for other people that God will forgive them. So we don't have to be mad at them and we don't have to get up in arms and all, all, what should we be doing? Which should be, hey, I can actually pray for that person. If I see that person, if they're committing a sin, if they're going through a hard time, what am I going to do? I'm going to pray for them. Now, if you're in relationship with them, you can go and you can have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, I saw this thing. That you're doing, you just, just got to be careful with that. It could cause problems for your family or for you. you, know, if you but if you're a complete stranger, you wouldn't do that. But what we all can do is we can all pray. We can all ask on behalf of somebody else, Lord, help that person. That their sins would be forgiven. Listen, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So one of the things that we see here in the early church that would have been an accepted normal thing is that at church or with your fellow believers, it would be an okay place, a safe place, To tell somebody that you know at church, hey, I'm really struggling with this. This thing, it's just got a hold on me. I've got this addiction. I've got this thing. And I'm really struggling with this. That church should be an okay place to confess that you're human and that you need a savior. But in my lifelong study of church, it's not always that way. We should know because of our own humanity, because of our own insufficiencies without Christ, that our flesh comes up short sometimes, that our flesh doesn't do all of the right things and say all of the right things. See, in the the verses there in Peter that we read, it talked about us being a recipient of mercy. A recipient of mercy. In other words, we, we don't get... What we deserve. Because of God's mercy, we don't get what we deserve. But what do we think about other people? They deserve it. They got what's coming to them. Is that how we think about other people? Or because we've been recipients of mercy, then we should be the first ones to dispense mercy. And to be a safe person where someone can actually come to us with a struggle, with his deficiency, with a sin, with a missing the mark. And they wouldn't feel like we would be angry with them and mad at them and shun them. That we could actually do here what the scripture says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That we hear about someone else's sin and then what should be our first response? We should pray. Ask God on their behalf. Go to God We're praying for someone else. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And I love how that continues on. That Elijah wasn't a superman. That Elijah didn't have an extra special place with God that we somehow can achieve. 
that Elijah was just like you and me and he prayed and he asked. But here the context is about praying and asking for other people. Someone who might be sick. Someone who might be struggling with the sin. And so we should do a lot more praying for people than we should do talking to people about other people and their mess-ups and their struggles and their shortcomings. And this would be what the Jesus community that we see talked about, hey, I'm a stranger, I'm a foreigner, hey, but you're invited in to this. What house is it? It's a house of prayer. Where we're not depending on our ethnicity or our background. And we're certainly not depending on the perfection of our flesh. That we are a community of believers who is relying solely on the grace of God for our salvation. Not our own goodness. And since we are not relying on our own goodness, it frees us up. To pray for all of the other imperfect people of which I am one. Man, it sets us free. I don't have to worry about what they're doing or not doing. That I can pray and I can ask. And because I'm just like Elijah. Just like a person. Just like Elijah. And like we said that God's ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. He hears us when we pray. And that person that we see that's struggling with something can actually get help from God because I pray. And isn't that what they need? Does that person need my uninformed opinion? Or does that person need me to pray and ask God on their behalf? Which is more beneficial? The prayer. The prayer is way more beneficial than just my opinion. And uninformed opinion a lot of times. That we would be praying and asking God on other people's behalf. A couple more verses and we're almost done. Romans chapter 12. Paul is writing to the church at Rome. And he's talking about us and being a part of community and what it looks like. And he says this, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, who are we doing this to? Who are we loving? Is it everybody that's exactly like us? That thinks exactly like us and has the exact same background as me? Or is it this other group of people, this multi-ethnic, multi-racial group of people that God has called to himself? That we would learn to love people that are different than us. And appreciate them. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is who God is calling us to love. A lot of times people, you know, show up at church and they're like, uh, is there anybody here exactly like me? And I'm like, no, but that's a good thing. It will help you grow. It will help you mature. You need to be around people that aren't like you. It will help you grow up. It's, it's good to get in church and serve on a team with people who have different backgrounds than you. Because you think this way and they think this way and then you just have to grow up. You have to be mature and you have to find a way to do stuff where everybody understands it's just a church is just a good place to grow up. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. 
serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Everybody say constant. Constant in prayer. That as we live within community, this should be our goal. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to pray for this person. Oh, this person, I thought about them today. I'm just going to pray for them today. I wonder how they're doing with that situation. I saw that church last Sunday and they kind of looked a little bit down. What should my goal be? Oh man, I need to find out what's going on in their life. Does anybody know? Do you know what's going on in their life? I need to find out. Do you know? Oh, oh, oh that, that, that's going on. Oh my goodness. Do you hear what's going on with so-and-so? <laughs> Telling you, I've grown up in church, people. I know what's happening. But instead of that, what if we were just constant in prayer? That we have received mercy. What if we would just be a dispenser of mercy? And then would we be constant in prayer for our brothers and sisters? Contribute to the needs of saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This is talking about living in God's community. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Do associate with the low, with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. In other words, don't think you're better than anybody else. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Who does vengeance belong to? Come on now. Who does vengeance belong to? The Lord. Vengeance is mine. So that it's not really in our arsenal. If somebody does something to you that they shouldn't do, get back. I'm going to get them back. This is the problem with the world. See, but vengeance is, is for God. It's not for us. And what's left for us? Um, constant in prayer. If somebody does you wrong, you getting vengeance on them is not going to solve the problem. Has anyone discovered this? It's so true. And then if you get vengeance, they're going to get vengeance on you and they're gonna, you're going to get back. Mm-mm-mm. So instead of taking vengeance, which is not even ours anyway, we should just pray. Be constant in prayer. So all of these things that we would do with one another, but then also in the community of faith... As mentioned in the Old Testament, that his house would be a house of prayer, that we would be constant in prayer for one another. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says this. So as we live these things out within our church community, that we can actually be a different community. Not better than some other church and not we're this and so we're awesome and everybody else is an idiot. That just within our own church community, within our awesome, multiracial, multi-ethnic, completely diverse, beautiful body of Christ that we get to see every week. That we can be a shining light that people can actually show up as a part of our community and with the areas that we serve within the community. And they can see a bunch of people with all different backgrounds 
getting along. Because we all think exactly the same. No. That we're coming together because we have a covenant with God through Jesus. And he's called us to be a house of prayer. Not a house of judgment. Not a house of vengeance. Not a house of I'm better than you. That we could be a house of prayer. That we could care for one another. And rejoice when you're rejoicing. And when you're weeping, I'll weep with you. And then pray for you. And if I'm sick and I'm struggling with something, you'll pray for me. And if you're sick and you're struggling with something, I'll pray for you. And we would start to live out this value, this kingdom value that was true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New Testament. It will be true in the new heavens and the new earth. This community from all different backgrounds, getting together, finding community, finding oneness in Christ. Not that we all think the same or can agree politically on everything and we can think exactly the same on every issue. But we put all of that aside to live this community idea, this community in God. Matthew 5 verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city, it's a good thing for the city church to be. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That they will see what? They will see our, our good works. Now it's good to have import, good beliefs. And it's important to have good doctrine. But the world is not going to look at us and say, well, their doctrine is awesome. They don't even know what doctrine is and they don't care. But what they can see is good between people. They can see and experience a diverse community coming together, not in our own ethnic background, in our own political stances, in our own sports teams that we love and the ones that we hate, but that we would actually come under the banner of Christ. And we would live such a wonderful way in community that we'd be loving each other, caring for each other, Praying for each other. Serving alongside of someone else who's different than me. Being in a group with a bunch of people who are different than me so that I could live this thing out. That we could be a city on a hill that says, you know what, there, there's a different way to live. There's a different way to live than just being stuck with, with your own ethnic group and warring with somebody else. There's peace found in God. That there's peace found in Christ. And one of the ways we're going to get there is to learn to pray for each other. Pray for each other. Now we're going to take a few seconds here. We're going to pray. 
and I want you to think about someone else that you know here in the church and this is your first time here think about your mom or your dad I don't know I apologize if you don't know anybody here already hopefully we can rectify that but let's just take a few moments and just pray for one another maybe somebody you know here in the church that might be struggling with something maybe and hopefully this is not true somebody you're at odds with hopefully we don't have a lot of that but instead of thinking ways to get them get back let's just pray so you can put your stuff away and let's just take a few seconds here so honestly on purpose thanks for listening if you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you please email info at thecitychurch.ca.